Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. You know the drill. Let's get right to the news. So, first of all, uh, it appears that while Chairman Xi Jinping of China, while he's been gallivanting around San Francisco, had himself a little soiree uh, with the major corporate executives and uh, lobbyists in the United States. So that's always super duper. The House Selects Committee on the Chinese Communist Party uh, listed a group of elite American executives dining with the genocidal communist Xi Jinping last night for $40,000 a plate in San Francisco. Uh, Now, we'll be talking a little bit later in the show about certain plate expenses, um, but I don't think Applebee's charges $40,000 a plate. Here are some of the people that hung out with, you know, Chairman Xi, the genocidal dictator, Tim Cook of Apple. Uh, You've got the head of uh, Blackstone and the head of BlackRock, Larry Fink, Um, Merit Janow of MasterCard. Uh, You have Darius Adamsick of Honeywell, you know, just in case you wanted your uh, HVAC systems uh, to uh, be run by a communist dictator. Um, You've got Hawk Tan, who leads Broadcom Incorporated, major NASDAQ guy there. Uh, Daniel O'Day from Gilead Sciences. And of course, um, Ming Hsieh from Fugilant um, Genetics. And oh, goodness gracious, uh, it's absolutely terrifying to see this in any way shape or form Uh, why we're allowing a communist dictator onto american soil is certainly something but you know having a private meal where you chat about future strategies and exploiting child labor out of china like you know tim cook of apple does i don't know I, i i personally have a bit of an issue with that you know what gop presidential candidate is kind of on the same train that's right everyone's favorite south carolinian nikki haley and uh oh boy and oh, oh boy just a little bit more because nikki haley just god bless her she's not doing too hot right now because a couple of days ago uh she did an interview with a, a the ruthless podcast with comfortably smug and also did a segment on uh, Fox News in which she said that one of her first orders of business, if she were to be elected president of the United States, is to, uh, let's see, how did she put this, require everyone to state their full name, their full legal name, with a government ID before they participate in social media. So that Orwellian nightmare is just, you know, shooting straight up into the stratosphere. And she was called out on it quite a bit. And uh, here's what backtracking sounds like after literally she had donors threatening to pull out. This is not about government getting involved in anything. I never said that we wanted government in anything. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts. A huge issue that I'll deal with as soon as I get there is social media. First of all, it's a national security threat. This is a national security threat. Social media has become a national security issue. Every person on social media should be verified by their name. Verify every single person on their 
outlet because, and I want it by name. Every person on social media needs to be verified. We need to know exactly who they are and they need to show their own name. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so funnily enough, one of the podcasts that she advocated for this this theory on, um, run by a guy named Comfortably Smug, uh, is a semi-anonymous account on Twitter. And they looked at her and, and said, you know, are you also going to be like me, like all people who have anonymous accounts? And she said, well, if your driver's license reads Comfortably Smug, then that will be allowed. It, it should be mentioned, by the way, that Nikki Haley's name on her driver's license is not Nikki for Nikki Haley. Um, so great things there. And people kind of wondered why it was like really out of left field for uh, Nikki Haley to be, you know, kind of suddenly jumping into um, the whole kind of China social media dictatorship style of, of campaigning. And then we found out a little bit more. This is from uh, Tara Servatius over on X Tuesday morning. Nikki Haley met with BlackRock CEO and World Economic Forum member Larry Fink to raise money. And by that afternoon, she was pushing the World Economic Foundation's latest pet project by requiring people to get verified digital IDs to access the Internet and social media. The World Economic Forum just hosted a large conference in which they made one of their top priorities, making sure that every single account is verified by a person, you know, so the government that you're reporting on knows who to go after. So stellar selling your soul out. And, and again, this isn't the first time that Nikki Haley has uh, played um, a little too close to the cards with China. She was just called out for this by both Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis in the last debate. Getting DeSantis and Ramaswamy to agree on anything is something special. Here's a little bit about what that looked like. Actually, we might have a little of that for you later on in the show, because we're running a little short in this segment. We have to talk about some more breaking news today. Something that's, uh, well, something that's pretty special. You see, Speaker Johnson, when he was elected, everyone freaked out. Everyone thought, oh my goodness, oh no, the horror, the terror, the absolute, just, oh, the insanity. He's going to be this conservative dictator. And there were some detractors on the right that said that he was just going to be another McCarthy. We never heard of this guy. He's already signing deals with Democrats. Oh, he's just going to be just as bad. And then Speaker Johnson pulled one of the most brilliant moves of all time and did something that Kevin McCarthy has not. He released the full January 6th uh, tapes from the U.S. Capitol, and he is well. He's started releasing those. They'll be releasing over a period of the next few weeks. And uh, I got to tell you, it's looking just like what a lot of Republicans have been saying, uh, like what Representative Jim Banks was saying. That yes, there were some moments of, of violence. Yes, people should not have been in the Capitol on January sixth. Um, but uh, then you have moments like this, moments where. Uh, Photographers are jumping into the building ahead of the protesters and getting action shots of police officers jumping through the windows like they're in serious danger. So in case you didn't see that, check it out again here. So first you have the photographer. She tells the cop to come in through the window like he's running from the protesters. So he comes in, she gets the action shot for social media And then, you know, like nothing happens. 
So and in case you guys are wondering why no one trusts the legacy media and no one trusted the January 6th commission, that's why. Because just as there were a lot of uh, gross moments, um, there were also a lot of moments in which there was not a massive riot of violence and insanity inside the Capitol. Uh, you know, not like the pro-Hamas protesters inside the DNC. And um, I got to tell you, the pro-Hamas situation in this country is getting just a little spicier because uh, what have the pro-Hamas individuals been chanting for the last couple of weeks? Oh, it's, we need a ceasefire. If they, there just needs to be a humanitarian pause so that we can get food and, and medicine into Israel and into Gaza. This is so important. All those Israelis are hurting those poor Gazan civilians. And so Israel agreed to humanitarian pauses. They announced them hours in advance and they stick to a very specific clock. And uh, Hamas has already broken the ceasefire agreements during the hours. It took exactly one ceasefire, and Hamas was already firing at least 60 rockets into Israel. So, uh, looks like Hamas doesn't actually want that ceasefire after all. Um, And Israel has every single right to make sure that Gaza is completely removed from Hamas. Uh, That is a threat that has to be dealt with. Politico uh, reported that the four-hour pauses in operations in Gaza uh, has already seen multiple disruptions by the uh, Hamas militia. Um, And in America, we're seeing continual Hamas-style protests, very special and spicy stuff there, uh, like a pro-Hamas protest in front of Amtrak's Union Station in Washington, D.C. this afternoon, who reported that due to First Amendment-related events, customers are encouraged to all extra time to get to Washington Union Station aboard their train. So this is just like mostly peaceful protests, uh, just like in 2020, where pro-Hamas individuals uh, intimidate and beat Jews that are walking down the street. Amtrak, the federally funded government train system, uh, they're going to just call those First Amendment activities. So well done, everyone. Up next, we're going to be talking with Josh Hammer and going into just a little bit behind the mess when he spoke for the Young America's Foundation at University of Michigan last night. You are listening to the Tony Kinnickcast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Back to the Tony Kinnick cast on 93 WIBC, joined this evening by Josh Hammer. He's the senior editor at large at Newsweek and the syndicated host of the Josh Hammer Show, which is a great listen if you haven't picked it up just yet. But he's also a guy who understands that if you want to have some really good entertainment any day of the week, you got to go speak at a college campus because when it comes to just the best comedy around, Get yourself some campus college protesters. Josh, how's it going? Tony, I appreciate the very kind introduction. You know, it's been an eventful week and happy to join you. I got to hear a little bit about what these protesters, I I talked to you a bit before you went to um, Michigan yesterday. I was like expecting any kind of protesters. I know the Hamas crowd's been, well, you know, the Hamas crowd. (laughs) And uh, I I guess you got a little bit of a, a welcome reception. Tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah, so I was at University of Michigan last night to speak on the conflict in the Middle East. The title of the talk was Israel's Righteous Fight Against Jihadism, which, you know, gives away my stance on on this conflict. And we anticipated that there would probably be some trouble. After all, this is Michigan. There's a huge Arab community in Michigan, towns like Dearborn. So, you know, we had security ready to go. There were metal detectors. But unfortunately, I'd say... It, within the first two to three minutes of me talking, probably 25 people or so that were all coordinated in terms of what they were wearing, what they were looking like, just stood up and then put their hands in the air. And at first I was like, OK, like if this is actually as far as they're going to go, then that's probably not a huge deal. The problem was only a few minutes later, they started coughing. They started obnoxiously coughing as soon as I opened my mouth to talk. And then the coughing soon gave way to all the predictable chants, free, free Palestine, you know, all the all the typical garbage that you hear. And, you know, the tragedy, Tony, is that the university police and administrators on hand were ridiculously slow to act. That was my frustration. The students did nothing wrong whatsoever. I, you know, Yaf did a great job hosting this event. But as they usually do, they do. They do great work. But the administrators I mean, they caved to the heckler's veto for a mm. solid 25, 30 minutes. I mean, eventually I finished a talk, but there was a, a, a half hour disruption in the middle. And that's kind of what I'm a little frustrated about. Yeah, because people don't realize how disrespectful. Of course, it's disrespectful to you. But, you know, guys like you and I were used to that kind of treatment. It's more so disrespectful to the people that came to hear you speak. Exactly. And I don't mean the protesters, but the people who drove, you know, 50, 60, 70 miles because they listen to your show. They see your work. You know, they read your stuff. Um, we publish a lot of your columns over at the Daily Signal. They come to hear what you have to say, and they can't because of all this childish behavior. I just wrote an article for the Signal today actually talking about the MIT uh, pro-Hamas protest, which uh, blocked students um, from getting into classes. And it's at what point do you realize that you're embarrassing your movement? I mean, forget about what the movement stands for for just a second, but you're embarrassing your movement by how you're protesting on behalf of it. It doesn't make them look good. You know, I, I mean, it says everything that you need to know. I mean, at some point last night, the the protesters threw their hands into the air and their hands were were covered in, in red. I'm sorry. I got to stop you for just just a quick second. So they, they threw their hands into the air and, and I'm not, you know, not just like light jazz hands or maybe right. a light Pentecostal service. I mean, like arms up, armpits exposed. Was that? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, the people in the back totally could not see. I, okay, I mean, so, so, so I mean, that's obnoxious in and of itself. But their hands were, were covered in. In red and Ugh. i didn't actually realize this at, at the moment but I, I i think the point that they were trying to make there was this infamous photo from a while ago i think it was 2000 or 2001 it was just after the second intifada from yasser arafat was launched there's this infamous photo of this palestinian man in the west bank who was at a window with his two red hands pressed against the windowsill and his hands are red because two IDF soldiers had just taken tragically a wrong turn and the Palestinian jihadists literally chopped up the bodies of the IDF soldiers and tossed around the body parts like they were a hot potato. And this image of him kind of bragging to the crowd with his red hands went viral on media at the time, you know, 22 years ago or whenever it was. And, you know, I, I typically try to assume the best of people, Tony, sure. but in a situation like this, it's hard to. And I, I would not be surprised, frankly, if that's why last night that they had their hands in red, just disgusting stuff all around, frankly. I mean, it really is, and especially in the heart of the Midwest. And I know that, again, you, you travel all over, but I, I like to think that there is kind of a, a hospitality and a wholesome nature that goes with the Midwest that our universities just like to 
well, to, for lack of a better term, to defecate on. And it really incenses me because these are the same individuals that kind of led a lot of Jewish people to believe over the last couple of decades, hey, we've got you. We're your best bet for safety and, and care and concern. And yet all of a sudden, when this you know conflict broke out, it seems that a lot of Jewish students and a lot of those advocating on behalf of Israel have been tossed um, under the bus and under the bus load, quite honestly, just because of the weight of some of these comments. I, it, I got it. I try to distance myself when I'm doing a lot of reporting um, just so that I can focus on writing all of the details that are being spit out at you, you know, 30 different details a minute. You're just trying to capture it all down. But the weight of the fear that a lot of these students are fear are feeling on campus um, just because these pro Hamas protests that you know, go through the street, like at Cooper union in New York, and they were beating on the doors of the library to get access to the Jewish students um, or at MIT or at university of Michigan or wherever you are in the country. I'm, I'm starting to wonder why on earth we're seeing such a lag from kind of the general populace in, in, in its willingness to kind of throw this stuff out. And, and I don't mean like lawmakers, but I mean, like there is this weird lag in time that we've seen over the last couple of days where the attacks are still going on and domestically yet kind of the fact that the war is happening is starting to get old. It's starting to leave a lot of the media. And I, I don't know, man, it, it's, it's really throwing me for a loop if I can be transparent. <laughs> You know, I've had some version of this conversation, Tony, many times over the past six weeks or so. I mean, folks like you and I, we do this for a living. We see the intersectional woke left for what they are, this whole, you know, you know, neo-Marxism of hierarchies of oppression and whatnot right. there. And even for someone like me who is steeped in this and is fairly cynical and fairly jaded at this point, you know, even I have just been totally gobsmacked, frankly, by the sheer level of depravity that we have seen over the past six weeks or so since that that very dark Sabbath of October 7th, uh, you know, the Hamas Holocaust of, of 2023, if you will. I mean, we saw in Princeton University people openly chanting to gas the Jews. To I mean, this is, this is Princeton University. I mean, that is ranked the number one university in America virtually every year by U.S. News and World Report. You mentioned Cooper Union. Cooper Union is a very disproportionately Jewish school in New York City, which is a you know very l- large Jewish population, obviously. The, the NYPD had to evacuate those students fr- from an underground tunnel. I, I, I mean, this is America in the year 2023, for God's right. sake. I mean, thank God nothing remotely approximating that happened to me last night in Michigan, although a police officer did, you know, after the police messed up by not kicking the protesters out, that he at least kindly walked me personally to, to, to my vehicle afterwards to, to get the heck out of there. But it's really bad. It, it's really, really, really bad. And unfortunately, Tony, you know, the only way to match this kind of show of intimidation is with power. And that means repercussions. That, that means that we, we have to use all means available, whether it's litigation, whether it's enforcing university speech codes, whether it's taking career repercussions, kind of like we saw with Bill Ackman and Ken Griffin with the Harvard letter. Right. All repercussions have to be on the table to keep these miscreants accountable. And I think that's honestly the the, the silver lining, uh, if, if there is one, from the last six weeks is that you've seen a lot of, um, obviously a lot of legislators are really starting to push forward. I think of Mike Lee, who's just like throw the book at him Uh, and same with Marco Rubio just like throw the book at him and you know I I I really enjoy that because it seems you know a lot of politicians are realizing again it's an 80-20 issue regardless of the fact that there's a moral correctness to the response but I've also been impressed by the number of donors that have just like completely yanked funding 
I think of uh, University of Pennsylvania. I think of Harvard. I think of uh, a few more here in a couple of weeks with some reports that we're working on. And in some of these cases, not all, even after universities have given kind of a lukewarm response, oh, no, don't take the money, please. No, we'll, we'll stop things. The donors are saying, OK, prove it and then we'll reconsider. I, I got to tell you, I, I kind of like that chutzpah. It, it really does smack of taking some things seriously that haven't been taken seriously for decades. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, again, I think that's the only way out. You know, I wrote a, I right. wrote a column early this year back in like April or May. I think it was around the time of the of the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light stuff. And the title of my column was The Only Way Out Is Through. And I didn't coin that phrase. I can't actually remember where I first heard it from. But it's, it's this notion that, you're, you know, you're not going to kind of, you know, glad hand or, or, or talk nice your way out of this. Now, when it comes to the Israel-Hamas conflict, this is actually a good example of that. I mean, I, I kind of began my talk by just giving like a, like a history of the conflicts. I was talking about international law, like the San Remo Conference in 1920, all this stuff that, you know, in theory, a, a, a good university like the University of Michigan, the students should actually care to learn that history. Absolutely. But, but you can't, I mean, you can't reason with these people because it's not, it's just it's just not about the facts, Tony. It's not no. about logical reasoning. It's not about actual, kind, you know, A plus B yield C, like, like formal logic. That's not what this is about. This is about passion and force and ultimately repercussions and lawfare. And those are the tools of the trade. And, you know, this notion of just throwing everything we got at them, you know, short of actual violence, although it's worth noting that the ones who are resorting to actual actual violence are, of course, their side, not ours. We saw that earlier this week outside the DNC headquarters in Washington, D.C., where you saw a police officer essentially just get sucker punched by a pro-Hamas protester. You know, funny how none of that actually happens at the pro-Israel rallies, right, right. You know, which was a genuinely peaceful rally of, of 300,000 people on Wednesday. But all options short of violence, which I would never in a million years call for, but all options short of that have to be on the table to try to rectify it and, and, and remedy the situation. I think you're absolutely right. Josh Hammer, I uh, really appreciate you hopping on. Thanks uh, for coming. And if, uh, more than anything, I'm just glad that you're safe after hopping into you, Michigan, uh, with your YAF speech. Thanks so much, Tony. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Just a curbside profit with my hand in my pocket and I'm waiting for my rocket to come. We have to talk for just a moment about how many times we have to learn the lesson that you don't look up to celebrities. You, you just stop looking up to celebrities. On the left and the right, someone in Hollywood who acted in a show in the 1980s it does not qualify them to be some brilliant mind in politics and philosophy and economics and foreign policy. Quit it. Stop. You don't have to, you don't have to do it. You, I, I'm, I promise. And because I promised, I'm going to deliver a few reasons why, because we have to go through this yet again. Good evening. I'm Tony Kinnett. This is the Tony Kinnett cast. And uh, first up on our list is LeVar Burton. Now, LeVar Burton 
he has a special place in a lot of individuals' hearts because LeVar Burton was on Star Trek. Uh, he wore the really cool, like, thin 1980s, like, android glasses going on, and those were really cool. And from my childhood, he was the host of Reading Rainbow. And I liked Reading Rainbow because books are cool. And not only did I like Reading Rainbow because I think books are cool, but he explained why reading is important and why reading different kinds of literature is important. In fact, ironically, even though he's not really there now and he hasn't mentioned a piece of classic literature in like 15 years, um, he had a really great three episode series on the classics and like how to slowly step into reading the classics is one of my favorite things to watch. Now he's kind of dived into insanity. So you guys will remember that Pink, another celebrity, uh, had made an announcement that she was going to go down to Florida in her tour and she was going to like give a bunch of bucks to children that were totally like banned like oh my gosh I can't believe they banned those books those fascists and uh, yeah it turned out none of the books were banned but uh, she got her posturing up you know and no one's ever thought or no one's thought of pink in like 10 years uh, but, you know, she she got in front of the media. Oh, I'm so impressive because I'm giving out books that everyone already has access to. Well, now LeVar Burton is doing the main thing by getting up on stage and uh, threatening to uh, punch members of the group Moms for Liberty. Here's what that looked like. Before we get going, are there any Moms for Liberty in the house? <laughs> moms for Liberty? No? Good. <laughs> then... Hands will not need to be thrown tonight. And then everyone starts going crazy. Oh, he's so brave for saying he wants to beat women. Oh, my goodness. Moms for Liberty has never advocated um, for any kind of a book ban, you know, like he's accused them of. Um, They have said that books like Gender Queer and other really inappropriate pieces uh, of literature filled with, well, it's not literature, it's a comic book, uh, filled with pornographic images shouldn't be in the elementary library. Uh, where it is in dozens, if not hundreds of schools across the country, as I have reported and cataloged, as well have several other great education journalists, a lot of whom are not on the right. Uh, but, you know, we're going to do this thing where like a celebrity gets up and says, conservatives are bad. And then everyone's like, yes, you are brave. You are wonderful. And then they all, you know, get on Zoom and they all sing Imagine because, you know, the world is ending with covid and uh, everyone vomits because it's the worst thing musically produced. Uh, and it's not just the left. The right has its celebrities that equally suck. And of course, I'm talking about Kid Rock, uh, who just showed up with Trump uh, to a UFC fight. And I have a lot of problems with, with Kid Rock, um, mainly because uh, he doesn't actually have like a series of principles, um, you know, because he's a celebrity and doesn't have to. He just like gets out there and he says something and everyone's like, woo! And you may know Kid Rock recently because originally when Bud Light hired, you know, the transgender individual Dylan Mulvaney to do this like Bud Light advertising campaign about, you know, trans people and Bud Light go hand in hand and all of that. And everyone was like, you know, how about no? Uh, Kid Rock originally posted um, F Bud Light and F Anheuser-Busch. And he was like, this is ridiculous. You know, people don't want this. And uh, the boycott largely worked. Um, Anheuser-Busch lost huge amounts of money based on taking what used to be a beer sold to American uh, kind of working class individuals 
and they turned it into the the woke beer of you know the 21st century it's it's just you know so progressive and people didn't want to buy it anymore and so they didn't and you had massive pallets of bud light um just sitting on pallets everywhere because no one could sell it there was a time when liquor stores could not give it away for free which is just hilarious um and in fact the boycott was so successful that finally just wednesday it was reported that anheuser-busch's top marketing executive in the united states is set to depart the company so we have not even finished out the year and finally Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch has realized, you know what, maybe we should kind of go back to traditional marketing. And you actually saw this in, in similar ways with a couple of other companies. Heckler & Koch, the arms manufacturer out of Germany, uh, realized this about half an hour after their social media person was stupid. And then they apologized and everyone bought lots of H&K firearms. Um, Bud Light, it took them, uh, how long has it been? Since like April, like April, March or April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. It's taken them eight months. Don't judge me for not knowing how many months it is between months. I, I, I hear you out there. Uh, none of that, please. It took them eight months to learn that lesson. Um, and it's, it's taking target. Again, the same amount of time. But everyone still, we're all looking up to celebrities because now Kid Rock is saying that uh, he doesn't want to be a part of the party of cancel cultures and boycotts that ultimately hurt working class people. So he's going back. He's saying, no, I'm, I'm not really for this Bud Light boycott anymore because um, it's really hurting the working class. No, the boycott is, is not hurting the working class. That's not how that works. The company made bad decisions and the company is responsible for what those bad decisions do to its employees. If tomorrow Nike released an advertisement that was like, hey, we make our shoes with child labor. Oh, wait, they already make their shoes with child labor. Uh, if, if some other company, Chick-fil-A, if Chick-fil-A came out tomorrow and said, you know, we make our chicken out of orphans and then people stop buying Chick-fil-A because you're like, oh, my God, I'm making your chicken out of orphans. Then um, it's not the customer's fault for boycotting a business that makes bad decisions. It's Chick-fil-A's fault, you know, for selling orphan meat. Now, you know, thank God that isn't happening because Chick-fil-A is absolutely delicious. Uh, but in Anheuser-Busch's case, you know what? The, the good old boys who are working for that company who have been laid off, it's Anheuser-Busch's decision. You should have been able to figure out that the beer of the NFL and NASCAR that are billboards all over Indianapolis because the Bud Light's the official beer of the Indianapolis Colts. The transgendered, like super woke thing probably wasn't going to resonate with your audience. But again, we're going to have celebrities that make silly, goofy decisions and are going to embarrass themselves in front of the whole world stage. And it's okay. In a couple of months, conservatives will have their next celebrity that they're going to look up to because he'll get up in front of a crowd and he'll say something that's like kind of politically incorrect, kind of something that people have been saying. And then everyone will start up clapping like otters or seals. And there will be. And then a couple of months later, like Kanye West, remember Kanye West, he came out and he was like, I think that Democrats are kind of racist sometimes. And everyone's like, wow, Kanye's so smart. And then a few months later, he's like, you know, I don't think Hitler was all that bad. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, you don't have to take celebrities seriously. You don't have to listen to celebrities. You don't. They make money whether you like them or not. You don't have to listen to Taylor Swift's politics to enjoy your music. 
You don't have to look. And people, Rob Kendall gets grief all the time for liking Bruce Springsteen. And Bruce Springsteen has just promised for the 86th time uh, to move out of the United States if uh, a Republican takes office in 2024. Now, he didn't last time, even though he said he would. But I mean, come on, you know how this works. So you don't have to. You, they can just be celebrity. They can just be actors. They can just be like musicians. You know how many problems Fleetwood Mac had? And yet their music is fantastic. You, you don't have to. I mean, and really, I mean, that's that's how art goes. You enjoy the art. You don't have to get behind and, you know, buy the T-shirt with their face on it. You don't have to like enjoy them this has been going on forever remember arnold schwarzenegger everyone's like oh he's a republican he's like i want to make sure the children are trans and everyone's like oh my gosh maybe he's not a republican you know just saying you don't have to hold celebrities up on a pedestal well up next i am finally going to take to task applebee's the fight's been brewing for months they've had it coming and i am it it is time to finally put things on the table applebee's you've got it coming up next on the tony kinnick cast on 93 wibc whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you It's the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. All right. We've been dancing around each other in the ring for the last couple of weeks. And uh, look, the gloves have finally got to come off. We, we got to talk about Applebee's here for a moment. You're listening to the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. Allison, are you out there on that great board over in indianapolis i am how you doing tony (laughs) i am just stellar because it's finally time to put this to rest when you were in college um did you ever go to applebee's for like half price appetizers you remember that when they used to do like like appetizer deals absolutely it was really late at night too right and then they also had dollar margaritas if i'm not mistaken Oh, yeah. Like, it used to be so nice to go out. They had a deal. Like, there was a reason to go to Applebee's. It was like, yeah, we're going to go there, and we're going to get some, like, really cheap appetizers. We're going to hang out with our friends for, like, five hours. And the the staff hated it. Uh, I went to college up in Watertown, Wisconsin, and, like, the staff, whenever a pack of us would walk in around 8.30 or 9, there would be groans from the staff. And I I feel you. But, you know, by the time we were done, we learned to tip well and stop being, you know, Neanderthals. It was, it, was a, it was a good experience, and they took it away. They have taken that away. And I got to tell you, Al, here's why this bothers me to no end. Have you ever heard that Applebee's is basically just the frozen section of your local Kroger? Yes, I have heard that, yeah. Because it's true. I went back just a couple of weeks ago, and I looked at the menu. By the way, the menu is a lot smaller. Like, COVID shrunk all of these menus down in restaurants everywhere, and they've never gone back to being like a Midwestern diner where they have every food known to man. But, like, Applebee's really is. And I looked. I went to Kroger after I ate at Applebee's. And I looked at the menu, and then I looked at, uh, I had like the QR Cody thing. I looked at it on my phone, and I was walking down the Kroger freezer aisle, because, you know, I'm not going to like help my wife shop in a grocery store. I, I left her on her own, because, you know, I make poor decisions. But I was looking at the freezer aisle, and I swear, Stouffer's is just the Applebee's menu. Like, copy and pasted the whole thing. Or arguably better. 
It, really, because I can have the, the portion sizes are, are bigger. That uh, um, like that Louisiana style fried that Bourbon Street steak and chicken. That seasoning, mm-hmm. like they literally sell it at Kroger, and you get more of it. Oh, it bothers me. And and the other restaurants, they're not doing too hot either. And and the, the reason that this entire segment is even around is because two economic reports were released two weeks ago, which suggest that those style those like almost fast food restaurants like Applebee's. Bob Evans, Olive Garden, Red Lobster, P.F. Chang's, those are all like falling out of favor. Like Gen Z and millennials aren't going to those restaurants anymore because the frozen section is better and they're just not offering anything original. Like the, the fast food restaurants, they're always reinventing themselves. They're adding new things to the menu. They're doing really cool things to bring people in. But I mean, like Olive Garden is just Italian Applebee's. Are you are you an are you an Olive Garden fan, Allison? I, I, I like yeah, I like Olive Garden, but I will say I would prefer going to a a legit like Italian restaurant like Sal's or Irene's or something something. So I totally to Italy, like, I'd go from. to like Maggiano's. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean I'd even go to Buca before I would I would go or I would even go back to Fazoli's. Fazoli's I I think is, is better than Olive Garden because I think their breadsticks are better. It's, I'm sorry, I know I I don't know, I just I'm just saying, Olive Garden also used to have like eight soups. Now they have like two. And I swear one of them is just whatever was left over in the sink. It's awful. It's <laughs> I, horrible. I, it, do, I do agree. The The menus particularly are definitely shrinking in those kind of places. It's not like fast food, but it's not like fancy dining. It's in the middle. And I think, I think like you said, kids just want to go to fast food or do DoorDash or just go to the freezer section. It's just easier and honestly cheaper. It is. And also, like, these fast food restaurants, like, have gimmicks. Like, again, like, Popeye's and Chick-fil-A, they have, like, the sauce and the really good chicken. Even KFC, honestly, they've got good stuff, too, which reminds me, um, according to a a new statistics report, um, China has 7,900 KFC restaurants. The USA only has 4,062 KFC restaurants. So uh, Joe Biden needs to do something this instant. This is unacceptable. KFC is one of the best fast food restaurants. Um, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's delicious. It, it really is. And honestly, look, look, you've got Red Lobster, which is, is uh, seafood Applebee's. you got Bob Evans, which is like the country Applebee's. You have P.F. Chang's, um, the slightly Asian Applebee's. Um, and then there's there's Texas Roadhouse, Allison. Are you are you a Texas Roadhouse fan? Um, I like the rolls, uh, but it's not something I go to towards frequently, to be honest. I'm going to drop the bomb here. Texas Roadhouse is not in the same category because it feels like Texas Roadhouse makes all of their food. It's not just freezer food. Now it's a steakhouse, yeah, and obviously it kind of has that one up on everyone else. But whereas like the other restaurants are just putting freezer food on a plate, Texas Roadhouse, on the other hand, they make all of their food in the restaurant. And I, I got to tell you, I just I appreciate that because I'm tired of getting gypped at restaurants like Applebee's. Quit going to Applebee's. And if you're out there, CEO of Applebee's, you can fight me because your food's terrible and your service. It just ain't great anymore, man. Bring back half price appetizers. The people are hurting in this economy. We have we need real solutions, man. That's really what this is all about is the half it priced apps, isn't it? I'm I'm still <laughs> upset about it. And it okay, at least those places are better than those burger restaurants that charge you like twenty seven dollars for a burger with all the exposed pipes on the ceiling. But yeah, it's we're trendy. coming for we're coming for those next week. Thank you very much for listening to the Tony Kinnicast this week. We'll see you Monday. You have been listening on ninety three WIBC.
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.